0: Welcome to Truth Unbound. I'm your host, Walter Swaim. I'm so glad you're here with me. And uh, we took a little pause from this series, but we're returning back to it. We've got this and one more. And this series is called Myth Understandings. In other words, about those Christian cliches that are often stated and said, even generation after generation, but they might not quite be biblically accurate, yet they're repeated as though they were like many theologies that we can live by when they're really not from God's Word. And they can often cause more harm than good, even if they're well-intentioned, and they most often are when they're said. Well, the myth understanding of this week is this one, and you've heard this one. Hate the sinner, hate the sin, love the sinner. Hate the sin, love the sinner. Now here at Truth Unbound, we take on the challenge of looking honestly and directly at what these things come up and happen in the local church, in life, in general, questions about the Bible, issues, things that happen in the society that are, is around us. How do we respond to it? How? What does God think? Because that's all that really matters in the end. Well, at Truth Unbound, we help to look at that. We take these issues, look at them under the microscope, if you will, of God's Word, plainly uh, interpreted and stated and read, and we see how God wants us to think and respond. So are you ready for this one? Hate the sin? Love the sinner? Is it true? Is it not? Let's, let's take a look right now. All right. So earlier in the series, we looked at two other cliches. Number one, God doesn't give you more than we can handle. We found that not to be accurate, and then there's a reason for everything, and we found that was not completely accurate either, and found out what God really says. So today, hate the sin, love the sinner. There's a verse in Scripture, one of gazillions about this, but uh, Psalm chapter 5, verse 4 says, For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, nor shall evil dwell with you. Hmm. Hate the sin, love the sinner. Well, this issue, this statement especially has been slung around a lot in recent years with uh, the um, same-sex marriage and LGBTQ issues that come up and the debate that there is in even in the church, within the church itself, and I'm speaking in its most broad term, okay? Uh, you know, and, and the Christian hears this and says, yeah, that sounds Bible-y. It sounds right and good. So yeah, that's what, that's how we do it. Uh, The non-believer hears this and says, especially those who are struggling with sin areas, uh, or well, they don't think it's sin areas, but they have these issues that are told are sin areas, and they go, that statement is so wrong on so many levels, it doesn't sound right to me. So, what does God truly say about this? Is it true or not? Hate the sinner, hate the sin, love the sinner. Okay, so like a lot of the other phrases and cliches that are used in Christianity a lot, this one as well is not in the Bible fact, The closest we find to it uh, in Christian thinking goes back to Augustine, uh, the Christian thinker, teacher, early church leader in the year 424 AD, wrote, With love for mankind and hatred of, uh, hatred of sins. Now, where it really comes from more closely to us, though, is from not a Christian but a Hindu, Gandhi, in his autobiography in 1929, said this hate the sin and not the sinner. Okay, a general truth? Maybe you could argue that, for, but is it biblical? Well, we see that it came from a Hindu source, not a biblical source, really. Now, the the statement itself, hate the sin, love the sinner, is a flash summary of supposedly Bible truths, and they are Bible truths, such as love one another, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, Love your enemies. Repay no one evil for evil. These are biblical principles. We must obey them in following Jesus. But the whole idea of hate the sin, love the sinner, is it true? Again, we ask that. Well, in this day and age of video clips and sound bites and tweets, here we are with a short statement. Uh, But there's some hard truths that we need to understand if we're really going to analyze this and then see what God really says. Okay, so are you ready? Strap yourself in. Here we go. Number one, let's ask the question, does God hate? Well, as we read in Psalm five, verse four says, you're not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness. Evil shall not dwell with you. Obviously God hates sin. It says so. Okay. Now in Proverbs chapter six, verses 16 through 19, it says this, these six things the Lord hates. Yes. Seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wickedness, or wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. So we could go on reading many, many more verses, but it is clear God intensely hates sin. It is the crux of everything that has occurred since he Uh, made the garden and the worlds and everything there is and made humanity and gave them a free will and they chose against him that was sin this is the problem this is the core evil of all what causes all other evils and he sacrificed his own son to resolve the problem of sin and its curse which is death and it was defeated by his son jesus in the on the cross and in the empty tomb Now, God hates sin, but we humans tend to, well, we like our guilty pleasures. Even as believers, we still struggle with this, and it's a problem. But then we move to the next question. This is where I'm asking you to be patient and follow through with me to the end on this. Does God hate the sinner? We know he hates sin. Does he hate the sinner? Well, in Psalm chapter 5, verse 5, it says this, "...the boastful shall not stand in your sight." you hate all workers of iniquity. And iniquity is another word for sin. Now in the original Hebrew, sin, hate can mean, oops, hit my microphone there. Hate can mean everything from absolute, absolute, that wicked, evil, despising of someone to do them harm as a result, to be set against them, to oppose them, totally oppose them and be against them. Now, it, this obviously then the wicked, immoral hatred of someone um, is not, despising of someone is not of God's character and nat- nature, so we know it's not that. So it has to be in the area of this revulsion of the sinner based on God's holiness and justice to put him totally against the sinner and the sin as well, together. Remember, sin is not some force, Okay? It's not a power that has its own mind and possesses us like some demon. It's just the simple choice of direct disobedience and rebellion against the Lord um, and against His holiness and against His laws and His commands. We are responsible for our sin. Therefore, God, in a certain way, hates the sin sinner as well as the sin they commit because they commit the sin. James taught us as much as, uh, as far as our personal responsibility for sin in James chapter 1, verses 14 through 15. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So the sinner commits the sin. therefore, God's judgment is against, he hates, and is against the sinner. God holds the sinner accountable for their sin against him. His perfect justice requires it, not like our criminal justice system we have presently, which where criminals who commit horrendous crimes or are uh, bailed out or their bails reduced or they're released from prison. God doesn't play that game. The phrase hate the sin, love the sinner can split the sin from the sin doer, and that's not how God is. Okay, so it's not only that this phrase is not in the Bible, but it's also inaccurate and it's it's more complex than that. God's justice is absolutely pure and fair, and eventually will demand permanently, demand uh, the evil that the evildoer be held accountable for their evil doing. For those who permanently reject God, who hold on to their sin and reject Christ once and for all, it says this in Revelation chapter 20, verse 15. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. But then the part, love the sinner, that has some biblical truth in it. Because God not only hates the sinner, holds them accountable and is against them for their sin. But he also loves the sinner. In Romans 5, 8, it says this. But God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. You see, as, as, as extreme as his hatred is for the sin and the sinner because of his holiness and justice, his love for the sinner who commits the sin is just as extreme. And it's only God who has the ability to hold this, this perfect balance between the hate and love of the sin and the sinner. We don't balance it that well. But God gives us the ability through Christ in us and the Holy Spirit in us and in obedience to his word to be compassionate, as compassionate as Jesus is for the sinner, and to do the loving toward the sinner that Christ did. So how does this apply to us in the end? Number one, we need to reject or hate sin just as much as God does. In First Peter chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, it says this, for he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Psalm 97.10 says, You who love the Lord hate evil. Now, this idea of being able to hate the sin and the sinner and love the sinner as well, at the same time, is is un, the world can't understand it. Someone without being changed... Uh, by Christ within. This is a rub. This is a big, big conflict It between this hating sin and the sinner and loving the sinner in spite of their sin. They can't understand this. Why is that? Because when we come to Christ, we see things in their true reality, in their true colors, okay? And that comes with good and bad news in it. But we have that ability to understand it. This is what it says. This is how it is explained in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 through 16. I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but that, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And so that's why the world won't understand a statement. Even if if we take it fully and what it says is true, hate the sin, love the sinner, they still can't understand that. Why? Because their sin identifies who they are. Okay. Before Christ, our sin identifies us, you know, um, and, but in Christ, my identity is Christ. It's no longer the sin in the past life that I had without him. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 11. Paul said this, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Now, verses 10, 9 and 10 explain who they were before, okay? Now listen. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And Buddy says, now in Christ, you were this before, but you're not now. You've been washed, you're sanctified, you're justified in the name of Jesus. You're somebody different with a different mind and a different spirit and soul. So along with that, what it, what we see there is now I identify clearly what is sin and what God hates and what is not sin and what God loves. And that's what I should love and I should hate what God hates because now I clearly understand the picture. I know the difference fully because of what he's taught me and what the Spirit of God inside of me affirms by reading a scripture. So the first point, again, is we should hate sin as much as God does. Number two, let God do the judging, and you worry about doing the loving. Um, it tells us in John seven twenty four, 24, Jesus said this, Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. So yes, we are supposed to make discernment about what is right and wrong and about the actions of people and what they're doing and why, why they're doing it. But we still should continue loving that individual as much as is possible to do so, so that they are loved to Jesus. And uh, keep in mind this as well. Sometimes the greatest act of love for someone is humbly helping them to realize and see that what they're doing is harming themselves. It's sinful and it's hurting them. And the third point is this, check yourself first. It says this, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter seven, verse five, hypocrite. First, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. In other words, if you're ever going to call out someone else's sin, then you better be very, very sure that your life and your reputation and your lifestyle, back it up. It still doesn't give us a license just to judge people everywhere and condemn them. That's not what we're supposed to do. We just read that earlier. But if we must take a stand, make sure that your life reflects a life that is trying to live for Christ, forgiven and freely trying to live a life apart from sin. Well, I hope it's helped you to see this issue more clearly. And I want to remind you to click like, to also click on following the podcast, and if you would subscribe to it as well, and then share this with everyone you can. All right? Follow Jesus, and you'll always follow the truth. We'll talk to you again soon.